Bigger than cakes. Give me some more silence. Hello, welcome to Bigger Than Capes. I'm Zach and this week I'm joined by Angela. How are you doing, Angela? I'm doing all right, thank you. Yes. Splendid. This week we're discussing at least one of your favourite books from 2021, yeah. Exo Manowar, Volume 1, from from Valiant. Like. Yeah. Um, before we get into it, should we do like a Exo Manowar... Recap yeah. and then like uh, our yeah. thoughts on the Exo Manor while we've had up until until this well, point, yeah. Because there's been there's been a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, I could be wrong, but am I right in thinking this is the fifth version of Exo, the third in the current canon? Correct. Yes. Wow, I'm impressed. Well done. So, so we had nineties. We had the glorious nineties EXO, yeah, who has one of the worst origin stories known to man. Which is, um, yeah, that man who wrote all the old Valiant comics, <laughs> Jim Shooter. Yes, Jim Shooter. Thank there you. There you go. At least to begin with, I'm not sure if yeah, he did the full he, run. He, no, he tends to sort of hand it off to other people. After he like an to... arc or two, he seems yeah, to. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, I'm done now. Carry on, guys. Um, we then had the Acclaim era. Which... Yes. Am I right in thinking the colours of his suit changes and it's Mark yeah. Wade? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. And he becomes a mercenary soldier type guy. Yeah. We completely jettison whatever decent backstory we once had. I would try and talk about who the artists were for these as well, but it was the 90s and the artists seemed to change every, like... They change often. I'm sure um, I'm sure Barry Windsor-Smith did some because he did pretty much all of the Valiant at some point. Seemingly, yes. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, he, did, he did a lot of Archer and Armstrong. He did a bit... Uh, he did some Savage, so I'm sure he dipped his toe into... Exo Man of War at some point. If I probably, if I like, have over there, savage? I'm looking savage. Yes, not savage. Turok dinosaur hunter. <laughs> Freaking heck! Oh, Angela, how bad are you today, guys? I mean, I know they're the same character, but still. <laughs> yeah, one was Gold Key, one was Valiant. I mean, I could actually check because I have several issues of '90s Exo just just about just out of shot. Just, in just case. out of shot. Sadly, yeah. Um, How I live. Don't we all? Mm. <laughs> Imagine you just have all the foil covers lined up. Yeah. Um, it's one of the best foil covers, I will say. The first issue of EXO. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's strong. I'm I'm a big fan of that, like um, the Ninjak as well, where he's like, coming say, through the stained glass window. Yeah, the Ninjak's probably the best of the foil covers of Nineties Valiant. For those who are into collecting, I would recommend getting that one. I mean, they're both terrible in their own special way as well, but so that's nice. part of the charm. So nice. Um, I wonder what I was talking about. So we were going oh, through the the ver- versions yeah. of EXO. Yeah. Um, twenty twelve, the summer of Valiant, we had the big relaunch, which was yep. spearheaded by 
uh, Exo Manowar by Robert Vendetti. Yep. Um, the issue run that guy did. Yeah, and again, changed artist quite a lot. Several times. <laughs> it's almost like that's a theme here or something. Yeah. Uh, and then, so 50 issues, we then kind of have a little bit of a break before we he comes back. We did have a small back. break, yeah. Uh, then came back in the form of Matt Kint's run, which... Yep. Again, had quite a few artists. It did have several different artists. This is um, why we struggle to remember the artists because I think some of them just did like a few issues and then. I think for that, most people seem to do an arc. And yeah. Each arc was only like three issues. So that's. Yeah. And it was over 30 issues long, that run. It was a solid. It was it was a good strong run. I think a lot of the ideas. All right, there's there's no point kind of avoiding it. No. It does a lot of World War Hulk and no, yes, well World War Hulk and Planet Hulk. It does a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, kind of hero goes off into space, works as a soldier, ends up a general, then a emperor. And then he, I can't remember what the next arc was called, but that's the way it but could Yeah, get. that's how it went, yeah. And then kind of uh, becomes gets overthrown, comes back to Earth quite disenchanted. and Yeah, he's really, like, he's lost whatever Amy had because he tried to make the... The universe, the galaxy, whatever the where he wherever he was, he tried to make it a better place, and ultimately, he failed because beings are always fallible. And why should you even try? Thanks, Angela. That's uh... you're welcome. <laughs> Perky starts this episode. It's a Matt Kim book. Were you ex- <laughs> I mean, True. You know, yeah, there was yeah. going to be some sort of existential crisis involved. Sli- slightly more chipper than Jeff Lemire, but not really. Yeah, that's it. He just hides it under a veneer. <laughs> so, <laughs> after Kint's run, Exo finds himself back on Earth, which kind of immediately progresses into Harbinger Wars 2. Yes. And this is where I get really fuzzy, because I haven't reread Harbinger Wars 2, so I don't really... I know he fights Peter, right? He does fight Peter, yes. And kind of wins? I can't remember, because Peter ends up in a cell at some point, and then he... The, and then uh, the geomancer Tamara, the little girl, breaks him out. I think, and it all comes crashing down. And it, Harbinger Wars two narratively is a mess. I know that Tamara the geomancer mattered. Yeah, she did. And Livewire mattered to begin with. Livewire mattered to begin with, and then we kind of. We sort of abandoned Amanda for other things. And, oh, by the way, she was completely, totally wrong, guys. She didn't have a point. She was completely wrong. She was kind of... Basically, what they did to Amanda was what they did to Captain Marvel in Civil War 2. Yeah, completely threw her under the bus after an initially interesting premise. Yeah, that's the one. Um, She turned Bloodshot into a winged Bloodshot, and he... Yeah. Uh, concept cool, execution bizarre. Was this Matt Kent? Did Matt Kent write Harbinger Wars 2? I can't remember who actually was involved in Harbinger Wars 2 because it was so bad. I just it, felt terrible for everyone involved. It, it was meant to be Eric Heiser and it was. Um, Patricia Martin and. Yeah, because they'd come off secret weapons. What's he called? What's the artist called? Raul. Raul. 
Alan? Yes, could be. Um, it was meant but to it... be continued by them, and they ended up doing the f- like precursor issue, and then. And then, yeah, they were seemingly. Yes, it was Matt Kent. Yeah. And then Matt Kent had to do the. Yeah, and then I think didn't didn't Alec no no Alec Rahal didn't come on to that to fix it. Normally they bring him on to fix things that don't work. It it does feel like Valiant have a kind of agreed upon system that if something falls apart, Elliot Re- <laughs> Elliot Rahal will he'll come and save fix us all it for he some will reason. Fix it, yeah, um, yeah. It was yeah. It was uh, Raoul Allen. You were right. Yes, was the right, yeah because it was things. meant to be a direct follow up to Secret Weapons. They were going to be like the basis for it, and the first couple of issues it kind of fitted in with that and the Harbinger Renegades, and then we kind of abandoned that for reasons. Yeah, other things. The psyop side kind of falls away in the general chaos of it all. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, and Exo has a fight with Peter, and then at the very end, he ends up fixing satellites with Amanda because, yeah, yeah. And we've got the one of my favorite bits of continuity that we've got this ring of debris from the Vine invasion, yes, which makes it's one of the few good things in Harbinger Wars, too, that we have a little bit of continuity, yes, there's. So much felt like it was leading into Harbinger Wars too, and then so little was. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it was. It was originally going to be a four-part, forty-eight-page issue job, and then it changed to a six-part, thirty-two-page issue job. So. Yes, and my confusion then is this is something I want to hammer out kind of before we get into the actual volume yeah is exo manor wars timeline oh it's it's a bit wibbly wobbly timey wimey in it just because that 50 issue vendetti run is like years like three years yeah. long yeah um, yeah and there is longer, a passage, maybe yeah longer than that and there is a distinct passage of time with it as well. Yes. Then, however, we're told he's disappeared for a while mm. and had kids that have lived and died. Yeah. Um, in a kind of Dr. Manhattan situation where the exposure to Shinhara has led to one of them... I want to say getting leukemia and dying. That's, yeah, basically they get yeah they get cancer. Like he can't be around his family because the yeah like you say the Shinhara armor causes death. So he's really yeah. sad. And then his ex and his ex ends up um, getting together with another guy. Yes, and then he while he's exiles himself and then goes off into space and yeah. He meets a nice uh, alien lady, though. He does have a nice... Yeah. Gets himself a nice alien girlfriend. And then yeah. everything we've mentioned before with yeah. soldier, general, emperor, yeah. turns against a... Bales. Yeah. Um, Aban- abandons all those uh, people that he supposedly cared about in space. Yes. And then this... I can't remember what the dialogue is, but this volume 
So the 20, 20. 20, 20, 21 yep. volume we're going to talk about yep. acknowledges that there's been another time gap. Yes. But we don't know what he's been doing in that time gap at all. Which, on the one hand, kind of, there has realistically been a time gap because that's how Valiant works. They rest characters, so there is a period in between storylines most more often than not. But in this case, kind of helps in the shifting of the character from one phase to another. Yeah. Um. I think there is only one moment in this that suggests that anyone knows about what happened in Kint's run. Um, yeah, there's not a lot of references to previous runs. I I don't know if it's a knowing reference or not, but Troy does say something about... Um, like reformatting a country and then leaving everyone to fend for themselves. And yeah. Which um, basically either knowingly or not reference from, from the character perspective references yeah. what's happened in Kintron. the past. Yeah. <laughs> um, but a lot of this is fairly standalone from what we've seen. I think it feels a little bit soft reboot. Yes, and even things like the the opening scene, we see a kind of rogue vine attack. Yeah, which feels like a throwback to like the second or third arc of yeah Vendetti's run. Vendetti's run. It feels really retro in that sense. It does feel a bit like we're not really gonna tackle. We're kind of. It feels more like it's a follow up to those early arcs of Vendetti's run rather than we've also had all this happen because this Arik as a character cleaves closer to Vendetti's Arik than Kint's Arik yeah and that's probably another thing in canon we need to kind of talk about before we talk about the book which we will definitely do at some point we will Um, I'm in there guys (laughs) The relationship between Arik and Shanhara kind of is is different again here and becomes different in the first issue because we've kind of seen him discover this armor in Vendetti's run, not really understand it, then kind of learn to work together, then turn against it at the start of Kint's run and kind of um have a fear of it almost and not really work together throughout kint's run we kind of see him accept shanhara again and yeah piece by piece gets the armor back before returning to earth and they kind of have a kind of weird dynamic yeah i don't enjoy that i mean there is like Kint's run, I like that you have to have them rebuild the relationship because, like you say, Eric's kind of a bit scared and also doesn't want to use the armor and all the rest of it. And it's nice to see that progress. It's what I didn't like the concept, but I liked the execution. Um, and then 
yeah, in Harbinger Wars, it's kind of slightly, it's still not, it's different again. It's not quite Yeah. This. So, so I, I feel like this needed to kind of soft reboot things like that because it's kind of been an awkward <laughs> transitional yeah. period where we haven't really had EXO where Arik and Shinhara work together to be the superhero there. We haven't really had a lot of EXO as a superhero since Vendetti's run. No, we haven't, because he was almost, at times it was almost like um, a cross between sort of like Superman and Thor almost, in that he was like this superhero-y type messiah figure almost in some respects, but also he was leading his people kind of like Thor. Um, When people sort of say he's a cross between Iron Man and Thor, I always get that it's like you're just saying Iron Man because he wears a suit, guys. But there's definite parallels with Thor in terms of because they have their own little community and you get that impression. It's like New Asgard kind of thing. Yeah, definitely that kind of vibe. And that the kind of New Asgard, New Visigoth type thing isn't really touched upon at all in here no he's completely cut off from his people and society and all of that and you're like what happened to them or has he just decided never go back is that the theory because he built his own community in this one but it feels feels more like i don't know it's you know, moving to the big, almost a bit Superman in that, you know, you move to the big city and you build your own new yeah. support network around you. And I I kind of get it because I think having Arik off with the Visigoths in Nebraska, I want to say. Yeah, they just, yeah, it was one of those mistakes. Uh, always felt like taking a hero who's meant to be the face of Valiant, or more often than not is, and separating him out from the people that he... It's very rare that he was legitimately just defending his own people. He was dealing with worldwide threats throughout all previous kind of arcs. So I guess that separation... And that's basically something that's almost a theme throughout this book um so maybe we should just talk about the book we should probably mention because we've (laughs) been throwing all kinds of words around like arik and visigoths and stuff just a very brief potted character history in that we should have started with that we should have started with that but retroactively what's 20 minutes between friends listen to this and then go back and then it'll all make sense um so Arik is a Visigoth. For those of you who are unfamiliar with history, the Visigoths were one of the tribes that, you know, were around in Europe during the fall of the Roman Empire. Um, so he was uh, a Visigoth. In the 90s run, his parents are actually brutally murdered by Roman soldiers in the 5th century, as happens. Um, that It's quite, you know, his mother gets raped and beheaded. It's, it's so 90s origin. Um, but anyway... <laughs> He's there. He's he's you know happily, you know leading, helping to lead the tribe in the fifth century when he is abducted by some aliens known as the Vine, who crop up quite a lot in Valiant. 
or they used to. They, they did the for a while. Yeah. They did for a while. Um, and basically he's like a slave prisoner aboard a spaceship where there are many other people who've been enslaved by the Vine. Uh, long story short, he steals their sacred armor, Shanhara, um, the Exo Man of War armor that bonds to him. And then he goes on and defeats the Vine and then comes back to Earth and stuff. He has adventures. Yeah. As people do. That's the basic potted history. And then a load of stuff happens, and now we find ourselves here at this book. There you go. I can't really argue with that. <laughs> hey, that means I was nearly factually correct. I, I think you were entirely factually correct. Well, maybe not entirely. I don't want yeah. to hold that Also, time passes. I should mention that he does end up kind of in the modern day because the vine are aliens and space and stuff. So... Yes. Um, I don't know what I wanted to say then. <laughs> so, this volume, all of this run, even, maybe? Yeah. It is uh, written by Dennis Hopeless, or Dennis Hopeless Hallam, as he seems to also be credited yeah. on some books, it seems to depend now. Um, the artist is Emilio Leso. Yep. Uh is Ruth Redmond and the letterer is Hassan Otsmain Allahu. Yeah, yeah. my favourite. Um, and the covers are by Christian Ward. So covers are pretty a, nice, actually. A, a pretty killer lineup of creators. To be fair, I quite a big Dennis Hopeless fan, and I know you're a big Hassan fan. I am. And, I like uh, Ruth Redmond's colouring as well. That's fair. Um, I think this might be my first Emilio Leso yeah. book. I'm but not familiar with other work. But d- don't you know? Don't hold me to that. I could. Just, it, I'm often wrong with these things. <laughs> I'm normally like, yeah, it's my first thing by uh, whoever. <laughs> yeah. I th- I think it's a, a a really good creative team. Um, and kind of gives EXO a new look quite comfortably. Yeah. It, it feels like this, particularly the opening pages, are recognisable against stuff like the Vendetti run in particular. Yeah. However, has a clear aesthetic. We see at one point a redesign of the EXO armour, which seems to be like a... <laughs> running thing at this point in kind of all runs yes um we just seem to constantly get little tweaks um obviously vendetti's run was updating the armor from the 90s 90s, and from acclaim and so that's a pretty big jump i guess and we also see a kind of change through the Matt Kint run where the we kind of see Shanghai as like a modular type thing. Yeah. So we see like, the armor broken down into its individual sections. Yeah. Some of which didn't he bury some of it in a hole, as I recall. There was some thing where he'd buried some of Shanghara somewhere and Possibly he like wraps yeah. it up into the ball and like just keeps yeah. the ring so he can contact it. it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think 
that that's kind of become a thing and don't worry it happens in a lot of superhero books that there's a bit of a soft redesign of yeah the look but i think it works here and i think this is recognizable compared to other exo runs but yeah um different enough i think there's a a greater focus on seeing Arik outside of the armor but on earth if that yeah. makes sense in his casual hoodie <laughs> casual hoodie in his sweatpants yeah um a strong look for a man i'm sure we'll all agree <laughs> and his man bun let us not forget the man bun which i guess makes sense it kind of well this is something i was gonna touch on so i may as well touch upon it now um i think one of the things that's done throughout this volume is kind of bringing exo into the modern world and i think there's been this security through the visigoth settlement in potentially nebraska um and having him off world has kind of given the comfort that he doesn't have to fit into the modern world or his surroundings here it feels like there are there is an effort made to place him in harlem right they're in yeah harlem Harlem. there's an effort made to place him in like a, a real world location and in modern day clothing with yeah his little man bun which is in keeping with bringing him into the now there's also a theme throughout where we see him don't want to say befriended but working alongside a character called troy whittaker who yes he's tony stark he is very much (laughs) yes he's i was gonna say there is one character that clearly he's inspired by and that's tony stark which is definitely intentional and i feel like it is almost placed there to address the comparison to iron man yeah to, to be like no this is what tony stark is like see how different he is from Eric right now yeah um which works i think it does work pu- putting this tech mogul billionaire next to Eric, who's helping Eric, but well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Helping. helping in inverted commas. Yeah, but the subplot that Troy is trying to bring Garrick kind of into the public eye is not just this superpowered threat, but as a character that you know he he wants to help. Yeah. He's a good guy. There's a there's a he's a person who just wants to do the right thing. Pretty much, yeah. It's almost like he might say something along those. Yeah. I'm <laughs> um, saying that's a direct quote. <laughs> but I feel like that is an effort within this book to bring that to the character of Exo. I feel like one yeah. of the biggest problems Valiant suffers from is people look at exo and say well he's like i am man crossed with thor they look at bloodshot and say he's like the punisher crossed with wolverine and yeah i mean i think that's why faith is so popular because she is very much in the modern world doing modern things being modern relatable yes 
Whereas, yeah, like you say, all the other ones, you're just inviting comparisons with other heroes. Like Ninjak is... And cross Largely. with James Bond, maybe? Yeah, a little bit of, a little bit of both. And I, I, I think it's a good effort to kind of address that head-on. I think everyone previously has tried to... And I'm not knocking it, but people have tried to just ignore that and be like, no, the character stands up in his own right. And he does. Exo, Eric, whatever you want to call him, works as a character, but to the average person seeing him on a cover, he he looks like Thor in an Iron Man suit. That's... Yeah. There's no escaping that reality. So it's... I think to kind of use the narrative to address that and to in canon, try and make him more mainstream kind of is a reflection of the uh, is a reflection of the story being told and the reality. I'm not sure what I'm reflecting anymore but (laughs) I stand by what I'm trying to say. It made sense. (laughs) I think it is because this is, like I say, he's he's still Arik in that he still comes from the 5th century and he's still bonded to a sentient suit of alien armour. Um, and doesn't understand such things as basketball, particularly. <laughs> Bless him. Um, but it is more that he's at least trying to fit into the world. Like, you know, he's dressing like a modern person, and he's hanging about and, you know, attempting to play basketball. And it's kind of, it is giving a more human face, because even though we've seen him have a... It's weird, because like in Kint's run, that's the whole point is human fallibility and all that. Mm. But that's done in a way that Exo becomes less, I don't know, not relatable is the word, but I don't want to even go likeable particularly, but he sort of is more of a mythology, whereas this guy is a guy that, yeah, you know, Eric could be walking down the street and then putting on a suit of armor and flying off having ruined a basketball game. <laughs> Yeah. It makes him more, in a way, it makes him more interesting to have that attempt to put him into the modern world and actually have him try and live live within the modern world. Because I don't think that, like, in Vendetti's run, he was kind of hanging about with the Visigoths and they weren't really making much attempt to integrate, like we have our own little settlement. Um, whereas here, it is more like Eric's aware that he needs to make an effort and that's why he you know, he agrees that Troy can help him because he wants to fit into a more modern aesthetic and be seen as more than just that guy in a suit of armour. Yeah, pretty much nails it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I, I think we're almost in a position now where... So this runner's finished now. Yeah, right? it ha- yeah, nine uh, issues. I feel like it could have done more. It's certainly like it's like um, there's a definite arc. Don't get me wrong; it's a good arc. Hmm. I am disappointed that we're not getting more now. <laughs> I see. I think this has been a, a frequent thing with Valiant in the last couple of years. Is that whilst previously nothing outstayed its welcome, I think. none of the current series approach like the point where where I feel like I've had enough 
I yeah. Um, the the last series that I remember reading and thinking like, hey, this has got to the point where it needs to get to was like Quantum and Woody, where it was like twelve yeah. issues and maybe not even twelve issues. I'm not sure, but I think it was <laughs> yeah, it was like a few arcs, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like two, maybe three arcs, and it yeah. in it, it felt conclusive and felt like yeah they'd done what the creative teams had set out to do with, with current things i feel like we've got quite a lot of mini series that kind of end perhaps sooner than they need to yeah. I, I i've only read half of this so far so i've got volume two to read which yeah. comes out in a couple of weeks i think um, time of recording yeah uh true <laughs> but who knows um but it would be nice to feel like the this run serves the purpose it has. One of the thoughts for me reading this is, as we've said, this deals with bringing Eric into the modern world. It would be nice to see that whoever the next run is by, yeah. if they can try and balance this Eric, which is a, a version of Eric I don't think we've seen before. I think... No. This feels fresher and more down to earth than we normally get a kind of air of superiority from Eric. It makes him incredibly yeah. unlikable. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's that phrase I like to use. Eric is a dick. Yes, he he really is, though. It's it seems harsh, but he is. he's not a great guy. And no. This brings him down from that a lot, which is nice. My kind of hope for the next arc, next series, next team to take over would be to try and find a way to balance this version of Arik with the kind of Kint's Vendetti history so we can have something that comes good on the, you know man who ruled a planet and has had all the trials and tribulations but still has a modern day supporting cast and yeah who has befriended a local child and his family and you know is quite willing to you know not you know clean up the neighborhood necessarily but that kind of yeah um Am I right in thinking he's Desmond Morris? Desmond, yes. Des to his friends. I, I don't know if his mum has a first name. <laughs> Tragically, um, yeah, I think Ms. Morris or Mom is how she's referred to through most of this. Which, as I've mentioned in previous book reviews, is something that annoys me. Yeah, it is. I think that's probably the weakest part of this Um is that we don't do enough with her. Um, although she does come good in later issues. Spoilers. Um, but she's very important in the finale. That's, that's good to know. I I do like her as a character, even though we don't see a lot of her. I mean, it's the same with Dez. We don't really see a lot of him. But what we Again, do see... he's going to become important later on. Stick, okay. stick with it on that one. I can say he's going to be really, really vital later on. In the okay, part. that's that's good to know. I um, I, I think it is nice to have a modern supporting cast for Eric. I think um, Des, Ms. Morris, and 
Troy are yeah. all good for bringing him forward. I think having a, a modern day villain in, um, I'm going to murder this, but Vlad Yakyov, the yeah. kind of Ukrainian. Is he Russian and he's getting involved in the Ukrainian civil war, which is a thing that's occurring in this. In real life, we'd not have that. But in this universe, there is a Ukrainian civil war and he is sowing discontent and... Yeah, d- doing, you know, horrible things to try and take over the Ukraine. Yeah, basically. Um, he, he does go quite quickly from this problematic terrorist in the Ukraine to... Um, <laughs> almost Lex Luthor-esque proportions raining down televisions with him talking on so he's like cutting between different TV yeah. screens and then nipping over to Harlem to cause havoc with a bunch yeah. of like construction equipment he's modded out to I don't know have claws and stuff yeah as you do yeah I mean and there's that, you know, there's, stuff, the, there's that great bit where Eric's in the middle of an explosion. He's just yelling, Yaki off! <laughs> like, you know, come! And I think this is one of the things that's so weird about this book is there's definitely a sense of humour to this volume of EXO that we don't see in previous volumes. Yeah. And yet there are horrible things happening. When Yakiov, you know, destroys the full army and a massive amount of a city, it's legitimately horrifying to have. It's a yeah. terrible moment in and even though Arik's response is ludicrous. <laughs> yeah. Of just screaming Yakiov and yeah. whilst engulfed in flames while Shanhar is like, We're on fire. <laughs> yeah, like we've we we gotta go. We gotta go, not? dude. Yeah. Um I think it feels like there are stakes in this. It feels like the Ukraine is in danger. It feels like um twice we see Arik fight a kind of nanite swarm. Yeah. Uh, once in a forest fire in California and then once in the middle of the ocean. And both times it does feel yeah. like Eric's in over his head and it feels like... There are stakes. Yes, which is hard to do when you've got a character who is crazy overpowered, especially when Shanhara constantly points out that she is, you know, this... <laughs> most advanced weapon on earth the most advanced technology and to then have a situation where it doesn't feel like it's a foregone conclusion that they're going to win the fight is yeah something that's hard to do it's something that i think people struggle with in stuff like superman or captain america or any superhero that were kind of presented as being unstoppable it yeah then becomes challenging to define that they can still be taken down. And we also have a good scene in this where Yakiov's army have convinced they've taken down EXO in three different areas, but they're just robots that have been painted to look like him. him. And they don't look like him that much. No. 
That but, that was another thing actually. Troy's robot minions. Yeah. I, I don't know the character's name. I've got it down to either being Darkheart or Tyler Steel. Yeah. From VR Troopers. Yeah. Um do you know who I mean? I know who you mean, yeah. Is immediately what I thought um that those robots looked like with the big like dome heads, heads and the little red details and I don't remember much about VR troopers. I just know I have the action figure somewhere. <laughs> uh which I think made the Googling especially hard. God. Yeah. They don't look particularly original in design. Um but they work they work really well. Especially when you paint them and they look nothing like Exo. <laughs> I enjoyed that. Um, but, yeah, there is. that's what I like about this as well, is that, like, Kint's run is super serious. Like, you would have to dig very hard to find even the semblance of something slightly humorous. Whereas... Definitely. This really balances the mortal peril because you do at some points think, okay, Arik's really going to lose this and he's going to lose it hard. Um, mixed in with, you know, sort of really nice sort of humour and banter. And I do love AI banter. And Chen Hara's got some yeah. really great lines. I I feel like this is the first time Shen Hara has felt like a character in her own right it's yeah which i think has always been missing from exo i mean kint nearly manages it in his run but i think he's too focused on Arik's soldier general emperor fall from grace arc that he does kind of neglect her but here she is a character in her own right and she feels like a person and it does feel like they've been together a while and it's like sort of like an old married couple kind of dynamic. Yeah, there's a lot of kind of bickering and back and yeah. forth dialogue. Um, yeah, like... Sh- Shanhara's normally right. Yeah. Shanhara, what the hell is this thing? It appears to be a robot. I know it's a robot. <laughs> it's just like... Is yeah. that the same scene as like... He calls her a robot, and she's like, you know, I'm not a robot. Yeah, yeah, you're a robot. You know I'm not a robot, Eric. Everything's a robot these days, and it's just, it's good stuff. Which I think is is a strength of Dennis Hopeless's writing, I think. Um, we see throughout his Spider-Woman that he was very good at balancing the comedy with the action, with the emotion, with just about everything else. And um, I, I think that's that's something that Valiant doesn't always get. I think they have their yeah. comedy series and they have their action series and never the two shall meet. That's <laughs> it, yeah. yeah. Um, where, is, where is my Archer and Armstrong Ninja crossover? Where? <laughs> you're asking a lot now. I am. Um, but I, I think it works when we get it. I think when don't get me wrong, they're at, we've got the bloodshot. 
Arch and Armstrong cross. So if that happened, then... that's true. That did happen. Oh, and we see, we we frequently see Eternal Warrior with Archer and Armstrong, yeah. and I think things like that allow for the comedy and the action to come together. I think it, it's the f- introducing comedy into something serious that makes it feel more rounded as a book, um, yeah. which is one of the strengths here. Definitely. Um, yeah, it just it just feels like it's it's nailed all the different things that it needs to do. It's got the action and the peril and the emotion and the humour, and it's actually hitting those points. Not all the time, there are some misses, but the majority of the time, it's hitting everything it needs to do. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, I think there's Desmond and Yakiov's kind of exchanges in the last issue of this volume i'm not sure they are completely hitting the mark it they were a little bit awkward not gonna lie but i'm I'm kind of willing to let that go in spite of the rest of the dialogue kind of hitting the mark yeah um but i think yeah the the action the comedy the kind of sci-fi elements that that's actually the the variety of villains so we've got kind of the recurring uh Vlad Yakiov and the recurring Nanite Swarm. Yeah. I think both work as kind of opposing sides of the threats. Opposing sides yeah. of the threats to Arik, I think. Yeah. We see something grounded and of Earth with Vlad that obviously Arik isn't used to. He's used to smashing his yeah. problems. And then we see the Nanite Swarm, which is kind of more in keeping with what... What we're used to seeing him fight, yeah. But he's still in over his head with both of them, which... Yeah. And it's interesting, because obviously he's dealt with, in the past, the distance past, when he was, you know, hanging around Dacia or Dacia, however you wish to pronounce the name of Romania and its youth. Um He's dealt with that before, like with the Romans, and you mm. feel like sometimes he is drawing a parallel between Yakiov and Romans and things. Um, but he's never actually dealt with a guy quite like this who's got an army and, you know, construction mad crazy tanks. <laughs> and just. Yeah. He's, yeah, and he doesn't quite know how. He knows he's a murderous dictator and I must take him down, but. He's kind of at a loss of quite how to do that. Uh, but then with the nanites, he's like, oh, I'll just, you know, punch it. And it's like, oh, that's not working. Okay. But that's that's worked in the past with things, if I punch them. Um, bless him. But, yeah, it's nice, like I say, it's nice to see two different sort of threats that he has to deal with. And ultimately, he's not really sure how to deal with each one of them, even though, in theory... He has the experience to do it, but I guess it's a bit different fighting a war on an alien planet when you're the emperor compared to flying around Harlem. I mean, it's an argument, I guess, Slightly. to be made. Um, but I, I do think all those ideas really complement each other, and I, yeah, I feel like this could have been the start of a pretty long EXO run. Yeah, I am disappointed we only got... Because nine issues as well seems an odd number. 
Yeah, you would expect 10 or 12 or, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure how many issues. Is this four issues, this volume? Four issues, I'm pretty sure it's, yeah. Yeah, one to four. One to four, yeah. So this is standard Valiant length, to be fair. Yeah, and it works as Valiant length, but it does feel like we could have had more. I mean, don't get me wrong, the nine issue, this tells its story very well in the four issues, like Valiant of Old, which is nice to see when four issues was standard practice. Um, and the other five issues tell the arc really well, and it feels like it has a beginning, a middle, and an end, and it nicely slots onto the end of this. But at the same time, I do feel like there was potential then to do another arc after that mm. and go a bit go a bit further um you know i wouldn't i wouldn't have objected to 12 issues that would have been kind of kind of nice yeah i i think it would have been nice to get that kind of concluded feel of like a 10 12 issue run yeah um it's it's weird i suppose because we don't always know what we're gonna get with valiant um no, and there have been a lot of disappointments recently where books have not had a very long run at all before they've just disappeared, Ninjak, um, which started really strong and then we got into the meat of an arc and then we changed artists partway through an issue, which was just bizarre. Um forgot then, about that. Yeah, and then the Shadow Man, which is coming back with the dead side war and all that, but at the same time doesn't feel like it, it had enough momentum to build into that. Whereas this feels like it's got momentum to go a bit further than how long it has. I mean, I suppose it's nice to, you know, always leave them wanting more as that person quoted that one time. Uh, but I would have nicely said Angela. Yeah. (laughs) So articulate. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, I would have, I would have, I'm really glad we've got this because this is, this is my favorite version of Eric, I think, because Eric is mostly a dick. And much as I enjoyed Vendetta's run, I enjoyed Kint's run, but less so. Mm. It's just nice to have an Eric who I can actually care about and root for, um, as opposed to, you know, just thinking, oh God, what's he done now? What's he doing now? Just don't, Eric. Um, and it's nice to have Shanhara as her own character um, and have that relationship because that's not been done before. Um, it does feel like fresh and it feels really newbie friendly as well. I think, you know, we have touched upon the fact that it doesn't really draw on the earlier continuity of the previous runs, which is a drawback um, mm. on the one hand. But on the other, it I think it means that people can come into this without having had to read you know like a hundred previous issues of something they can come in fresh and you've basically got quite a fun book and then you too can be disappointed when it ends after only nine issues just as you're getting into it (laughs) but I think it's the most successful of the Valiant books of the last couple of years in that a it's finished (laughs) true I suppose um and B, it does everything that I want it to do, and I actually care about Eric. And what a miracle that is. <laughs> I think that is a, a great strength of this. One of my, I think one of our 
things has always been that we're, we're big into Bloodshot, we're big into yeah. Arch and Armstrong, Quantum and Woody, um, Eternal Warrior, yeah, Psyots. I, I think Arik has always been one of the ones that I've struggled with. I've don't remember. Yeah. I mean, clearly, we've both read everything he's been in, <laughs> yep. but I, I think EXO can often to a lesser extent, suffer from that Superman thing of being quite standoffish and overpowered and not being the most engaging of characters. Um, So it's nice. I think there's more of a human element here, which kind of endears Eric to us more. Yes, thank you. Yeah, those were good (laughs) words. Good words, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to volume two. I know you've already read I've, it. I've read it before. Well, I read it in singles. It was not. It was not a volume two when I read it, but I read it in singles Dude. and thought it was really, really good. It's good to know. I I am looking forward to it, and I would like to see more from Dennis Hopeless and Emilio Leso at Valiant. I think that's yeah. It's hard to know what's going on at the moment. Cullen Bunn seems to be the only recurring name Yeah. on the Valiant roster. Le- yeah, he does. Um, I think we, we, see, we see artists revisited more frequently, but people who I quite heavily associated with Valiant a few years ago, like Raoul Allen, who we've mentioned earlier, uh, Patricia Martin. Martin, yeah. Um, Luis La Rosa. yeah seem to have gone elsewhere the last few years and yeah. I, I get you know that's that's the way comics work and it's always good to see new artists but it feels like there's been a big turnover in creative teams that for, there was a good period I want to say there was a good like four five year period at Valiant where we saw recurring creators yeah uh, Jeff Lemire, Fred Van Lente, um, Josh Dysart, uh, yeah. Matt Kinn, who kept coming up, working on different books. Elliot Rahal as well, obviously, as yeah. we mentioned earlier. Bring in to fix all the things. Yeah, the problem solver. Um, yeah. Kept coming up, working on different books, but it kind of gave everything a coherent feel. Yeah. I, I would be quite into a, if if the next stage of that is Cullen Bunn, Dennis Hopeless. Yeah. Others, by all Others. means. I, Other creators um, are available. I know Mags Visagio worked on Dr. Mirage. I think it would be great to yeah. see her bring more to Valiant. I think it would just be nice to have recurring creators so you kind of know that it's people who are invested in the universe again, which yeah. is how it always used to feel for Valiant. Yeah, and and hasn't the last few years. It's felt like we'll just hire anyone who's available. And and I'll I'll admit that might just be a perception thing. There's every chance that Jeff Lemire and Matt Kin were it was all just work, but they seem to do better work at Valiant when they had more freedom than they did in. Marvel yeah. or DC, where it's a stricter yeah. kind of plan yeah. to adhere It felt to. like 
even though you had a coherent universe, each creator was able to have their own creative voice within that universe. Yeah. Um, and it, it does feel like this version of EXO could be that also. Um, mm. It feels like that this is... This feels like Dennis Hopeless has done his the way he wants to write it. It feels like the artists had... Because it's not... I've spoken in the past about Valiant House style, and a lot of Valiant books do have... Certainly in the 2012 onward period, mm. they did have a certain house style, whereas now it feels like artists can kind of go their own way a bit. It's not as um, out of the sort of lines that say the ninjak run was um but it still feels quite fresh it doesn't feel like it's just following a house style it feels like there has been the opportunity for the art to just you know have a play about and see what works and do its own kind of thing uh, but it still feels like a valiant book which is a tricky little thing to balance um but it is nice to see them allowing that to happen as well. I, yeah, very much agree. Yay. I, I feel like that might be most of what we had to say about this. I would agree, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would be game for more Dennis Hopeless yeah. and Emilio Leso. Um, yeah. Looking forward to seeing where EXO goes after this run. It's... Yeah, I hope we're not going to you know, I hope something will be taken for this run going forward. Yes, I hope it isn't another reboot. I hope we, I hope, I hope whoever the next creative team are take what they've got here and run with it. And like I say, if they can fold in the Kint stuff and fold in the Vendetti stuff, I think that could yeah. be awesome. Um, yep. If they decide to just take this and run forth, could also be really good. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think that's us yeah. on XO Anawar. Yeah. Good good book. Good, good book. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Good call, Angela. Thank you. <laughs> so we have been Angela and Zach collectively bigger than capes. Yes. And remember that comics Here we go. Are bigger, bigger than, than capes. capes.